Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Josh Green here with Alexander Norin. Hey, everybody. Part of the engagement of this podcast, we get a little something different every time. And that's something that we have for you today. Today, we have Dr. Scott Rigby joining us. And Josh, tell us a little bit about our esteemed guest. Dr. Scott Rigby is an author, behavioral scientist, entrepreneur, and founder of Motivation Works, a company focusing on the application of behavioral science to organizations, products, and services. He is a leading authority on predictive measurement of motivation and engagement, as well as on interventions to improve organizational culture. And not to mention, he's been featured on ABC News, BBC, National Public Radio, National Geographic, and Scientific American. Scott, what else do we need to know about you? That's way too much already, Josh. That's way too much already. I just want to know, how did you get on National Geographic? I, that, that to me is, it, it almost sticks out there. Tell, w- w- tell me about that. that, that is, that's fascinating, National Geographic. I feel like, were you on a safari or something, you know, taking a fun photo out there? How did that, how did that one come about? Uh, you know what, Alexander, I wish I had a better story about that, <laughs> actually, because National Geographic, it sounds like right. it's going to be sort of this Ernest Hemingway, rough outdoorsman type mm-hmm. On a boat story. for three weeks, right. Uh, but really, it was probably they, they, they were trying to broaden their horizons. They were doing a piece on augmented reality. Okay. So I often live in a very nerdy realm of technology and the intersection of motivation and technology. And uh, they, were, they were trying to talk about, uh, they did an article looking at how augmented reality can work uh, in natural settings and other things. And they wanted my perspective, for example, uh, on how it could help when you were stargazing. So they picked an outdoor activity. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, and I basically said, hey, it's great that you can look at the night sky and, you know, be able to identify constellations. But of course, the, the challenge is if I'm focused on that and I'm not sharing that moment with my wife who's enjoying it with me, you know, that's always the challenge of, of motivationally in terms of our, getting our needs fulfilled is if it's isolating me into, you know, one area versus sharing it with another person, you know, that, those, were, those are kind of the issues I thought we needed to think through as a psychologist. Mm. And uh, after that, by the way, I got a letter from, a, from a, an 80-year-old woman, handwritten letter uh, from somewhere in the Midwest. Um, it was probably eight pages long, um, <laughs> talking about how I needed to make sure that um, I paid good attention to the relationship with my wife. Well, so, that's, well, that's important. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, yeah, the duly noted, right? That's uh, definitely... Uh, Definitely an important relationship to maintain. And speaking of relationships, let's talk about that relationship between employers and employees. That is, <laughs> isn't that kind of the crux of why we're here today? That is right. The employee engagement piece. And I had the privilege of meeting Scott at the HCI conference in Denver recently, and I was just blown away by his keynote. He really gets nerdy with the psychology and uh, especially self-determination theory. Uh, I would like to start there, but I, I'm going to just kick it over to you, Scott. Like, uh, tell us, what is your passion and how did you get into this? Well, um, my passion really is understanding how we can uh, very meaningfully make people live more fulfilled lives, uh, right down to the individual level. I know that sounds very Silicon Valley. Hey, let's make the world a better place like uh, but really, it's, it's, it goes deeper than that. Um, for the last 30 years, uh, I've been 
studying and applying uh, behavioral science and looking at the fundamental psychology. You know, I, I, I've done this through a lot of modalities. One is Western psychology. One is uh, philosophy. One is Eastern psychology. I've published a lot on, on, on how all these things come together. But the reason I'm excited about, um, I, I most identify with being a behavioral, a behavioral scientist is you can take the principles of uh, self-determination theory, which is something hopefully we'll get into here, mm -hmm. and you can apply them to um, all areas of your life. You can apply it to your relationships. You can apply it in work environments, and I'm sure we're going to get into that mm -hmm. um, because that's really why we're here. You can also apply it to, um, we do work helping people develop um, products, You know, whether it be apps for mobile phones or whether it be developing uh, uh, really anything where you're trying to build greater value for the consumer. Um, we talk about how to apply this model so that not only do you get better value as a business, but your customers and people are more fulfilled in ways that are, that are about their well-being um, and their ultimate satisfaction. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome job. On any given day, I might spend the morning – uh, helping a company build a better app for healthcare. I might spend the afternoon helping another company, uh, you know, figure out how to get people to save more for retirement and enjoy it. And I might spend, uh, you know, a few hours working on employee engagement and building stronger work cultures. And I get to, I, I get uh, uh, to apply this across so many different areas. That's incredible. We, we, we see all the time how, um, from our perspective, right, we're, we're very much in the, in the employee engagement space, understanding how to build that, you know, that working relationship between employers and employees. And it, it is interesting, though, I, I have on, on many occasions, actually, now, now that you bring that up, I've, I've gone home and, and realized that a lot of the stuff that we've talked about or, or researched in a given day is, is applicable to various elements of my life. So it's, it's, it's cool. It really is. It really is a fun area of study. I yeah. Think. And, and I think at the, at the end of the day, the aim is to help employees and people in general just feel happier in their workspace. Right. That's right. Yeah. It, happier and also more fulfilled. You know, I think sometimes yeah. we forget that, that happiness, that real, real engagement, um, and this real sense of connection comes from a little bit of a deeper place than transient emotion, right? And this is why, you know, you've seen, rightfully so, that a lot of the focus just on measuring how happy your employees is doesn't really get the job done, right? There, there's, there needs to be something more about fulfillment. And that's one of the great things about a model like self-determination theory is that we're getting at those deeper fulfillments but we're also able to get at them. We can define them. We can quantitatively measure them. We can help organizations and managers and employees themselves track them. Yeah, uh, let, let, let's, let's tease that out a little bit because right now we live in a world where we're realizing that we can get more out of our employees, but that sounds like employee engagement. We're trying to get more out of them rather than help mm -hmm. them feel fulfilled. So what, what problems in the industry do you see and how are we not tackling the problem head on? Well, I think that's a great point right there, right? So if, if an organization is thinking, I need employee engagement because I need to get more out of my employees, right there, you're setting yourself up for a loss, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. And, and, and I just want to say to the people, the business people who are pragmatically thinking, oh, no, this is going to be another touchy-feely thing about, you know, how we need to make everybody feel better. I need to focus on the bottom line. When I say that, I'm actually talking about the bottom line <laughs> mm -hmm, because right. the things that I'm going to talk about today, um, it's by taking the focus of what am I going to get out of the employees? How am I going to engage them because I need them to do X, Y, and Z? That focus is actually going to work against the very goal you're trying to, 
trying to reach from a business standpoint, from a bottom line standpoint. So th what you need to be focused on is the fact that, that all of us have basic fundamental needs as human beings. And those basic needs and self-determination theory has been researching this for um, almost 50 years now. The needs I'm, I'm gonna talk about for a minute or two here have been validated as universal. When I say that they're needs, I mean it in the same way as I mean hunger is a need. It's not another consulting model. It's not my cute acronym for the ways to get your employees engaged. I'm talking about basic psychology here. So the needs we're gonna talk about, they exist everywhere. They're not, they exist in the West and in mm -hmm. the East. Mm -hmm. They exist in men and in women, in young and old. They're universal. So by focusing on them, and by really making sure that they're supported, this is, this is a great business rationale, you're going to get multiple returns on the investment because it's gonna essentially help everybody everywhere um, in your organization to do better and to feel better. That, uh, yeah, and that's, that's exactly right. We, I, I, we often see the, the big issue, people kind of putting aside employee engagement or employee experience as soft and soft and squishy kind of this, uh, you know, not, not bottom line focused, but uh, I, yeah, we, we would love to learn from you today about what those needs are that we can, you know, that organizations will find success if they, if they focus on solving and meeting the needs uh, that, that you've just teed up. Yeah. Great. So let me talk about this for a minute. And I'm glad you reemphasized that because yeah, I've started a couple of businesses. I am a business owner, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. we need to be bottom line focused. Right. And, yeah. and so that's a reality. The, the, the challenge has always been thinking that we can't be bottom line focused and quantifiable about things that are fundamentally, um, I don't know, you know, soft or mm -hmm. intangible. I've heard people say, well, those are really intangibles. I'm not about intangibles, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. We measure, we measure things. We measure and right. quantify, but let me talk about what the needs are. All right. All right. The very first uh, basic psychological need is the need we all have for autonomy and autonomy is in, in a nutshell, the need we have to be the hero of our life story. We want to be the author of what we are, what we're about and what we're doing. Right? We want to have, to, to use some fancier language, we want to be volitionally engaged as we move through the activities of the day. Volitionally Ooh. engaged. Listeners, there's engaged. a technical like that word for the day. Okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. Oh, there you go. Dictionary Tweet that right now. I'm going to pretend like I know what that means as you continue to talk. Go ahead. Right. So, <laughs> so right. Exactly. So, and that's not even, I can give you a whole oh, bunch okay. more because, you know, oh, uh, so volitionally engaged. <laughs> so, but I do want to, it's, when you bring that up, the, yeah. one of the reasons that we were using that language, a, yeah. a lot of listeners might be thinking, wait, I know what autonomy means. I get it. People need to want to be free. They want to have independence to kind of do uh -huh. what they want to do and that's not what I mean that's not the heart of autonomy this is why it's so important to have an actual uh, clarity that comes from an evidence-based model or framework like self-determination theory autonomy isn't fundamentally about freedom or independence um, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you why that's important how many of us truly are free and independent at work how many of employees are hired to do a thing, right? They need to get things done. They're given tasks, they're given responsibilities. A lot of times there isn't choice about those things, right? Mm -hmm. So if autonomy was choice or freedom, already you've kind of lost. You've lost the ball game because now you are in this either or decision. Like I'm either gonna get done what needs to get done or I'm gonna support this squishy need for freedom, which is mm -hmm. kind of Pollyanna. Right. So when I talk about volition, what I mean is I want to endorse whatever it is I'm doing. 
That's another way to put it. Autonomy, yes, it's definitely true that where you can give employees meaningful choice over how they're accomplishing their tasks or getting things done absolutely helps to support their autonomy. But autonomy is simply that I endorse or I want to be on the path. I personally value the path that I'm traveling, even if I didn't choose it. And in fact, there are a lot of times in life where we opt out of freedom and independence and we do it very autonomously. I, I have a wonderful wife and I have a seven-year-old daughter and I made choices to become mutually dependent on them. Mm -hmm. And I very happily gave up my independence because I get so much out of it. I personally value it. I endorse that path. If my daughter gets sick and I need to, there's something I absolutely need to do. There's no question I do it autonomously, even if there's no choice. And so in a work environment, when employees um, endorsement is respected, right? When there's something that needs to be done and the company focuses on making sure that employees can build that their that their needs are supported and that they can build a rationale to connect them to what needs to be done, the task that needs to be done, even if they don't have a choice over it, autonomy can be supported and fulfilled and employees will perform better. So that's the that's the first need, the need for autonomy. Does that make sense? That one is yeah. I start with that one because yeah. that it's is kind one. of a tent pole idea. Yeah. yeah, no, I and that's I am so glad you presented a door number three because most of the time I, I myself have actually had a hard time reconciling this idea between autonomy, but like you have a job, so you don't get paid to just show up and do something. You get paid to show up and do a specific task, you know, a specific, mm -hmm. you know, you got goals. So that's, yes. I, I love that. There, there really is, there really is an element of autonomy in there. If, if, if um, that volition piece, that's fantastic. And you know, there's then there, what flows from that, by the way, are a lot of evidence-based ways we have of in various contexts supporting that autonomy. So for example, if something really sucks, if you have to do something that really sucks at work, which happens all the time, right. Um, supporting autonomy largely can be done by acknowledging that this is not a very pleasant thing, by acknowledging all those feelings, by allowing all those things to exist, and then by talking about, I understand all those things exist, let's go over one more time why this is important, mm -hmm. what the ultimate goal is, and connect them to mission, connect them to ultimate. These are not things, once you have those principles ingrained and you're measuring these things, um, you can kind of you know, have a sense for, it can be a guiding principle that kind of, whether you're a manager or whether you're a leader, in, how, in setting policies um, and setting up the culture, it can be immensely helpful. So that, that's the first yeah. thing. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk about is the need for competence or mastery. Right? Um, I say competence or mastery because we use, sometimes use the terms interchangeably. Um, if you look in the self-determination theory uh, literature, it's mostly called competence. Competence is the desire we all have to be successful, to uh, undertake things with efficacy, um, we want to be able to crush it, whatever task we're undertaking. Right. And again, right. you can, this is an easy one to talk about because, um, all you have to do is look at, uh, a, a little kid who is learning how to, you know, crawl and then toddle and then walk and then run, right? There, right. There's this natural tendency to grow in one's ability, right? And it's intrinsic. It would, be, it would be silly for me to brag about 
my, you know, my little toddler who's running and say, look how I trained him to run like that. Isn't that great? Nobody says that because it happens. Although to as a dad, I, I think I actually might brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I got a two-year-old. He just, he's learning English right now. I'm like, yeah, I taught him that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Absolutely go nuts. Right. You're right. You're right. When it's your kid, when, when it's, it's your, your kid, kid, you're a lot. Yeah. Because well, you know everyone around you is going, that guy didn't teach him anything. Kids love to watch him. <laughs> That's true. But he's my kid, so I get to take credit. If I have to clean his diapers, I get to take credit for <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, so that's exactly right. So, so that's the, that's the efficacy part. That's the success, but there's something else there too, which is growth, right? I just don't want to do something successfully over and over again, but the same thing, I want to be able to grow, elaborate my skills, elaborate my abilities. That's another part of this intrinsic need. And so you, when that need is, is satisfied, when, when employees are set up to be successful in their tasks, but also shown clear paths for growth, so that they feel this sense of progression. When I say growth, I'm not even talking about they want a promotion. Right? Mm-hmm. This is, again, one of the importances of focusing on uh, this model and on the ability to measure, because there have been a lot of times where we go into organizations and they have a very clear promotion path and all these other things, but people will still uh, get very low scores or report very low support for their competence or their mastery because they're not feeling meaningful growth in their abilities and their skills and things that are, that are truly satisfying or fulfilling, right? Even, even if all the trappings are in place. So that's the second need. And then the, the third basic psychological need we all have is a need for relatedness. Relatedness um, is our sense of belonging. That mm-hmm. um, sometimes the shorthand way I describe it is if we're working together, I feel like I matter to you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you matter to me. Mm-hmm. We respect each other. We're in this together. We're supporting each other. We, we both have the feeling that one plus one equals 10 right? in the way that we're able to kind of support and help each other grow. So it's not simply having meaningless connections. You know, let's, let's run a, let's have another beer night with the staff or let's try to get more, you know, social networking going within the company and see how many f- people friend with other friends. It's not really those, mm-hmm. those things that we can fall so easily into in this age where we're all on our devices and, you know, flicking right. messages around. Um, it really has to do with these sort of meaningful connections. It's, yeah, it's that true connection with your your fellow coworkers. Yeah, and that's yeah. so interesting that you, uh, because I feel like kind of the knee jerk reaction to try to build a when I see when I think when I hear this relatedness word, I, I almost think of kind of what people might default think of as company culture, right? This idea of like how do people feel around the other people in their organization, which you know may definitely a lot more toward than just that, but the idea that, Hey, yeah, like you just said, if we, if we have another staff outing that will make every, that will in, in some ways say that that will force everybody to be friends and then they will be happy at work. And it's like, I, I love that you're just saying it's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. How, how can we then foster this relatedness if it goes beyond just planning activities or, you know, seems a little bit out of the hands of the company at this point. Yeah. And by the way, I would say, I would call most of that budget, wasted money. I'm not yeah. saying it's not nice to do social things, yeah, but if you're trying to build true engagement, this is, and this kind of goes to the point of how does all this work together to build engagement? Sure. These are all the causal factors. And, and, you know, I don't want to pivot away if you guys have more questions here, but let me make this point, which is one of the, th- one of the things that has got to happen in the employee engagement space is that we need to recognize that measuring employee engagement isn't that hard. Right. So the, so if we have an employee engagement measure, that's just, if you just ask people um, to agree with the statement, I love my job, 
you're going to have a pretty good proxy metric right there, whether mm -hmm. people are engaged yeah. or not engaged. And there are obviously people are out there. And again, this is where there's a multi-billion dollar industry to sort of measure. And they look at their numbers and their scores and benchmarking, but that's not going to help them to do the things that are going to really, they're looking downstream at, at the outcomes. Right. These are the things that cause those, that number to go up more than anything else that the organization could do. This, in our research, we see more than paying people more money, more than having social outings. If you focus on support of these needs, engagement is going to take care of itself and it's going to sustain itself. Scott, you're, you're speaking a hard truth right now. And it's a truth that I think most companies are aware of. It's just, it seems more attractive in the short term to run an employee engagement initiative, watch our surveys jump, in satisfaction for a little bit and the board meeting passes and you can report yeah, that we're all doing great you, you now everybody's good. happy because you, know? you didn't have to restructure right. the entire culture right. and the entire company retrain everybody but yeah yeah so i think i think you're right so let me say a couple of things about that first i recognize that there are a lot of uh forces arrayed against people doing the right thing. This is why we've been stuck. This is why the, this is why everyone likes to look at the Gallup numbers of, mm -hmm. you know, it's been stuck at 30% for decades, despite billions of investment. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and HR professionals, you know, well, these days are kind of like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing that. And then they'll always have a yeah, but story about this. But the reality is that, that year after year, leaders want this to be better. <laughs> Um, it, but it feels like a holy grail that's sort of eluding us because we take these short-term approaches. We take them for reasons I understand. You know, unfortunately, capitalism in America, in particular, and and probably in, in many other places, uh, you know, it operates on a short-term window where I, I just need to move these numbers up and then focus on the next thing. Um, and so that can kind of make people want to focus on simply moving the needle on what's getting measured mm -hmm. rather than moving the more fundamental things. That but said, so, yeah, there's so, a second reason. I want to make one other point here. There's a second reason, which is even if somebody wanted to take a different orientation, they don't know what to focus on anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is kind of the point is the things I just mentioned, I just, I just gave you a, the cornerstone of self-determination theory. There are thousands of studies. It would take you years to read all this stuff. I gave you the cornerstone of it in five minutes, and I bet all of your listeners can understand and resonate with these ideas, mm -hmm. right? So what's, what's been missing is a model that is clear, that's proven to be effective, that can be quantifiably measured, and that there's actually you know, evidence-based actions that can be given to managers, that can be given to employees in order to move those needles. So it's not just that there's been a short-term focus. A lot of it is because it's hard to know what to do um, you know, there's fog of war about how to think about engagement or what drives it and, and, and how to take action. And, and this is one of the things we're excited about with the approach we're taking. And that was just my basic question is, what is your solution to this? Or what framework are you implementing to help co companies and cultures beat this? Well, we have, a, we have a platform we're very excited about called Motivation Works, motivationworks.com. I'll plug it there a little bit. Uh, it's based entirely on self-determination theory. Um, as a matter of fact, my partners in Motivation Works are the creators of self-determination theory. So that's something I oh, had wow, mentioned. Oh, wow. That's but, fantastic. But, uh, <laughs> no NBC, wonder you guys know so much about it. <laughs> yeah. NBC and Rich Ryan, you know, this is the leading scientific model in the world right now. 
um, for understanding motivation engagement. It's had a tenfold growth over the last decade. And uh, I had the good fortune 30 years ago to be a graduate student with them and become an early part of the group that was studying SDT, self-determination theory. And I've always stayed in touch with them. And about 15 years ago, I circled back to Ed and Rich and I said, hey, we have the opportunity to really bring you know, this model forward into the world. Um, and you know, one area that I think would be awesome is to look at organizational cultures and bring this in more fully. And so um, that's really what we've been working on. Um, because our DNA are quantifiable research scientists that have built up an evidence base over decades of, of how to take effective action that's based on, that's data driven. <laughs> um, we had at our disposal uh, a tremendous amount of experience and resources to build a platform in Motivation Works that measures the very specific things that matter, all of the basic needs I just mentioned. Um, we look at uh, seven factors in total. Uh, three of them are the basic need uh, fulfillment measures, autonomy, relatedness, and competence. And those are kind of the, the foundational pieces. Uh, we also look at um, motivational factors that are coming out of compensation, fairness, and, and satisfaction. We look at um, some other uh, dimensions of personal resources like mindfulness and vitality, because our work is very much connected to, to wellness. And these things are also significant predictors of moving people towards greater engagement. Um, and we look at all these things um, in interaction with one another. That's another thing I want to mention is most models that are out there will, they have five variables or 10 variables, or frankly, some of them have hundreds of variables. Mm -hmm. And most of the time you're looking at this kind of mind numbing series of pie charts or graphs that or is, bars, and you're trying true. to understand, do I focus on the lowest bar? <laughs> Do I focus on the highest? How does bar one apply to bar 12? Right. This is a framework. We didn't, we're not just throwing numbers at people. We know, and when we're, when we're using our system, uh, employees come in and they're able to complete an assessment, usually in under seven minutes, that measures all these critical factors. But the most important part is what comes next, is not only can we give scores so you have a profile and you know where you stand, but we also have hundreds and hundreds of uh, evidence-based recommendations at the individual level, the employee level, and the organizational level that are all based on um, self-determination theory and its applied work in the world that we then tailor and apply to whatever the particular score profile is. So an employee can fill out our, get, get a load of this, our employee, an employee can fill out this survey at Motivation Works and instantaneously get a 15-page uh, report <laughs> that is tailored directly to them how they're feeling to give them an, an understanding of um, their feelings in a way they don't, definitely don't have to talk about their basic needs, to give them those aha moments and to then say, here are some recommendations and to be able to tailor those at scale <laughs> to that particular in, uh, individual employee. Um, and we can do the same thing, by the way, at the manager level, we can give them their team scores. We can give them things that are designed specifically to meet them where they're at and help them improve. That's what we're really excited about. A lot of these employee engagement software companies are just trying to get metrics to the manager yeah. about the group so that they can make better business decisions, which is helpful. But the individual work there is just phenomenal to me. Yeah, I feel like other solutions, they, they, uh, they really take that employee out of employee engagement. It's like they're, they're just a 
a data point on a graph, not an actual living person with unique needs that need to be understood so that they can then be met. That, that's right. And, and that is crazy to us. You know, as you can imagine, right. Right. Coming, coming from a, a, um, a model called self-determination theory, sure. right? <laughs> we are very focused on the empowerment of all of us, every single one of us, every employee, no matter what their job is, every manager in terms of what they're responsible, every leader. It, we need to understand their, their experiences, their point of view, and we need to be able to provide support directly to them. It amazed me, guys, when I saw that you know, you look at the dozens and dozens and dozens scores of tools and systems and models and measurement things out there on employee engagement, right. and I there is not one that gives that automatically is generating and at scale gives the employees a report on their scores, but not just a report on their scores, context and understanding why they matter that makes them feel supported with recommendations about how they can engage this process of change engagement in the organization. And, and you know, I think uh, we're, we're very excited because Motivation Works does that. I think it has the opportunity to, to have great impact. So would you say that your, your approach is more a, um, almost a, a, a bottom-up approach to helping organizations change to create a better employee experience um, as opposed to more, maybe more the traditional, like convert the CEO to the cause and then it trickles down? So I, I think that in some ways, we're definitely doing that. However, <laughs> I would say that we also recognize, because we've been at this a number of years, sure. that you've actually got to be converging from multiple points, right? right. You do need to have buy-in from leadership at the top. Um, but, but if you don't take an approach where you're going to come in at the top, as well as take a bottom up and bring everybody in together by meeting each of them where they're at and pulling them together in the culture building, then someone is always going to you know, the ball's going to get dropped, right? right. You, you see, it, and it, I'm going to say a couple of things and your audience is going to be able to relate to them, right? Yeah. Managers, the majority of managers are not really doing anything with their employee engagement data because even though they might look at them, you know, they don't know how to make sense of this. They don't, they don't know exactly what to do. They're not giving enough support, enough help. Mm. And so they don't, you know, they don't really, so that kind of falls by the wayside. Why? Because they're also not, this is the importance of having a framework, a framework to understand how things interrelate, a framework that helps you immediately identify what's the most important thing to focus on. And that also gives you um, the uh, recommendations for action that are going to meet your particular needs, right? So managers need that too. HR people are always saying, I need more resources. And they say that because they can't do it alone. They're carrying so much water mm -hmm. trying to get this thing forward, right? And they have to fight uphill both ways, as my dad used to say about walking right. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. No, both, ways. School, both ways. So, so they have to figure out how to justify the soft science stuff and everything to their managers and explain how it's going to help them, you know, in, improve the EBITDA for next quarter on one right. hand. Right. And then they've got to try to get employees to believe that this is not going to be a massive soul sucking experience that they're not going to get anything out of. And that's hard to do because employees have, you know, they're, they're jaded about this. Yeah. Their, their souls have been sucked from them right. many times, I think, in the organization. Um, right. And so the mo usually the most that they can do is say, We're, it's going to be important. You're going to see change. But when? When right. does that happen? Right. Now, this is, this is why we're excited because imagine an employee does something and instantaneously they have something of value back. Right. That's not that, by the way, is focused on them. It's not right. focused on what they're supposed to do to make their manager happy. It's focused on how they can improve the quality of life in the organization because member competence 
they want to perform better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They want that. Yeah. We all we don't need to be told. You need. <laughs> it is. I, I love that. I, I think some people inadvertently think. You know, employees don't show up to work thinking, man, I want to do a crappy job today. Like, nobody nobody <laughs> yeah. lives their life like that. But we treat people exactly. like that, though, don't we? Don't we, we do. kind of assume that, like, oh, you don't want to do a good job? Like, of course they do. They want to do a good job. Let's enable them to do that. Mm -hmm. So on that enabling note, we're, we're wrapping up here. And if there's, if there's one quick recommendation you would give to listeners who have to go back to work tomorrow, um, what can they do to start making their workplace the workplace that they want to be in? Uh, I would say to focus on um, be a little bit of a scientist. You don't have to be as much of a nerd as I am, <laughs> but focus on two things. One, that all of us ultimately are, we motivate ourselves. Somebody else does not motivate us, even though that's our language, right? So the language may be, how do I, how do I motivate my employees? How do, how do I motivate my managers? Shift your thinking to, at the end of the day, all of us walk out into the world and we look at the environment around us, all of the forces, whether somebody is pressuring us or dangling a reward in front of us or offering us an opportunity, we make the decision about how we're going to motivate and engage in those things. That's true for all of your listeners, all the employees at their companies, their leadership. If, if they take the perspective of instead of trying to motivate others, I'm going to give them the support they need. To, have, to motivate themselves and to, and to have fulfillment of the needs I've talked about, that just that shift, that locus to it's about supporting them and motivating themselves will go a long way to uh, helping to support their needs just as a reflex action. And then the second thing I'd say is focus on the evidence for what actually changes and supports those things. Focus on the evidence. There's been a lot of uh, systems out there and things out there that again are, are are fragmented. They easily fall apart. Every year you've got to do it all over again because it wasn't grounded in 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 an evidence base of what's true and lasting to help support human beings. Um, and so there's a lot of evidence out there. You can um, contact us at Motivation Works. Um, you can go to selfdeterminationtheory.org, which is the not-for-profit site around self-determination theory. Um, you can reach out to me directly at scott at motivationworks.com. Um, and uh, I'd love to talk more with uh, with people about that. Well, Scott, this has been very enlightening. And, and I know that we have just barely started to tap into some of these things. So Listeners, if you do want to take it a little bit further, self-determination theory is huge. Also, motivationworks.com, wonderful resource. And thanks again, Scott, for jumping on with us. We look forward to our next chat. Yeah, Josh Alexander, it's been great talking with you.